0: This episode of The Dig is brought to you by our listeners who support us at patreon.com and by Verso Books, which has loads of great left wing titles, perfect for dig listeners like you. One that you might like is City of Segregation 100 Years of Struggle for Housing in Los Angeles by Andrea Gibbons. City of Segregation documents 100 years of struggle against the enforced separation of racial groups through property markets constructions of community, and the growth of neoliberalism. This movement history covers the decades of work to end legal support for segregation in 1948, the 1960s civil rights movement and CORE's effort to integrate LA's white suburbs, and the 2006 victory, preserving 10,000 downtown residential hotel units from gentrification, enfolded with an ongoing resistance to the criminalization and displacement of the homeless. Andrea Gibbons reveals the shape and nature of the racist ideology that must be fought in Los Angeles and across the United States if we hope to found just cities. City of Segregation, 100 Years of Struggle for Housing in Los Angeles by Andrea Gibbons. Out now from Verso Books. Welcome to The Dig, a podcast from Jacobin Magazine. My name is Daniel Denver, and I'm broadcasting from Providence, Rhode Island. There has been no greater exemplar of zombie neoliberalism in power than French President Emmanuel Macron. Now, with the rise of the Yellow Vest Movement, there is no clearer evidence that zombie neoliberalism is bound to fail. And that's because this crisis cannot be solved with the policies and politics that helped cause it in the first place. My guests today are Danielle Bono, a French member of the National Assembly with the left-wing party La France Insoumise, or France Unbowed, and Roar magazine editor Jerome Rose. Before we get this thing rolling, please take a moment to support the left-wing media you consume at patreon.com/thedig. We have an excellent newsletter on the topics we discuss on the show. And you get access to it if you contribute just $5 a month. If you contribute at least $10, we'll send you a copy of either Jacobin's ABCs of Socialism or Assad Hater's Mistaken Identity. And if you contribute $20 or more, we will send you a big package of left-wing books in the mail. We can't do this without you because we are overwhelmingly listener-funded. So please take a quick moment now and hit pause to contribute what you can at p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash the dig oh and one more thing i was on autopilot reading the credits for tuesday's interview with marissa brostoff and andrea long chu and i forgot to credit jesse brennerman for an excellent editing job so thank you jesse okay here's the interview daniela bono is a member of the French National Assembly for the left-wing party La France Insoumise, representing Paris's 17th constituency. Jérôme Rose is a fellow in international political economy at the London School of Economics and the editor of Roar magazine. His book, Why Not Default? The Political Economy of Sovereign Debt, will be published in February 2019 by Princeton University Press. Danielle Obono and Jerome Rose, welcome to The Dig.
1: Thank you for having us.
2: Yeah, thank you very much for having us.
0: So the Yellow Vest movement has thrust Emmanuel Macron's presidency and the entire French political establishment into a profound crisis. But where that crisis is heading in the medium and long term is pretty unclear. The movement, as uh, you've written, Jerome, in Roar, has been really a mass one, which means that it includes a broad cross-section of the French people, and as a result is politically multivalent and diverse, including left and right currents and otherwise. What is the, the current social and political composition of the movement? And what can we learn from that in terms of deciphering what its long-term direction might be?
1: Well, if I may start, um, I would say it's it's a people's movement, which means it comes from every social, um, cultural background. But mostly, it's composed of people, uh, working-class people, middle, uh, lower-middle-class people. Also, there's a lot of pensioners, uh, and you have people coming uh, from rural areas, small town. Uh, that's where the movement started, uh, and. Um, so you you have a very diverse uh diverse uh, diverse sections of the of the people uh, and um, it spread and now it's it's now supported by a majority of the population which uh, which shows that it's 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 wider than the the categories that are actually involved in it so it's very interesting also um, as was uh, showed by a recent uh, uh, research that was done by by sociologists um, about the movement is that there are a lot of um, political and uh, apolitical uh, inclination. It means that uh, a, good, a significant numbers of the people uh, in the movement um, identify as left and 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 are uh, leaning towards left politics. Uh, there's a, a small percentage of people on the right and the, and the far right, but the majority of those people are not. Political or uh, m- most of them never have went into demonstration before, so they are they are like very new into the the, the political scene. So it's it's a uh, it's it's a very diverse uh, mixture of, of people uh, that got together uh, to oppose the state. And um, what's very interesting is now the, the the one thing that's unifying them is this opposition to the state to Macron, and it's mostly. Social, economic, and political demands—very, quite progressive one, actually. It's about a, um, equality and and um, and to get some returns from tax and 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 to be able to afford a um, a decent uh, le working ranking salary and uh, to have decent living standards so that's that's what unites those people so it's it's a it's it's a very uh powerful movement that that comes from years of resentment and 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 um, daily struggle to to make meat sense um, and there, yeah that's what can I can say broadly about the movement
0: jerome uh, to what extent has the Social and geographic base of the movement expanded since its inception to include people who live in cities and in the suburban periphery. There was a major. There have been major student actions recently, and the revolt has also spread to Réunion, a French territory in the Indian Ocean.
2: Well, I think it's exactly like what what Danielle just said. I mean, essentially, this is a popular mass movement, which means that it's really reflective of the broader French society, and it. It contains within it sort of the diversity that's found within French society. Of course, it's not entirely reflective of the French population. Um, we do see that it sort of started out in some of the more rural areas in sort of peripheral France. Um, and it started out essentially as an sort of an anti tax protest, which, you know, initially uh, some of the left were concerned about because that's obviously ground that has historically been claimed uh, by the right. Uh, but what i think is particularly interesting about this movement is how rapidly it sort of spilled over into a much more generalized popular insurrection against uh, macron against the neoliberal policies that he stands for against some of the extreme class inequalities that uh, are at the heart of uh, his neoliberal project and uh, more than that even uh, you know some of the extreme bourgeois privileges uh, that were being contested through some of the symbolic violence or symbolic property destruction that we saw Um, on some more sort of militant um, parts of the movement. Uh, So what I think is is particularly interesting is in that research that uh, Danielle just mentioned, um, it it really shows that actually the far right participation in the movement is very small compared to the, uh, on the one hand, the sort of apolitical participation in the movement, which constitutes around 33% of respondents, people who do not identify as either left or right but also uh, with respect to the left. So if you actually look at people who identify as far left, um, as left or as center left, uh, that is well over 40% of the total uh, sort of number of participants. So that's even more than people who would identify as apolitical. So what's clear is that there's a really sort of progressive, even radical element to this movement uh, that has sort of overflowed uh, the capacity of the right also to capitalize on that movement, despite it sort of starting out on 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 terms that might have been favorable to the right uh, as an anti-tax protest.
0: Some on the left initially characterized it as a, I believe, the, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, a, a Pujatist movement referring to a right-wing French populist movement of the the 1950s. But both of you are saying that that characterization would be wrong.
2: I I think there was that concern, but I I completely agree. I think that's uh, that's not where the movement is now. And I'm not 100% sure if it even was that in the beginning, right? So this Mm -hmm. was a very much a working class movement. Uh, if we look at sort of the professions of people uh, participating in it, you see that 44.7% are sort of classified as employees, employé, and uh, almost 20% as ouvriers, or sort of more classical sort of workers, right? Yeah, so that's no almost two-thirds of the, of the movement really being made up of working class people. Uh, so I think that's really significant, and it's really about, you know, costs of living. It's about inequality. It's about much more than just that tax that kicked it off.
0: Can you talk a little bit about the, the police repression that's taken place and how the movement has responded, how it's shaped the movement's development, and also how the broader French public has responded?
1: Yeah. Uh, I think that um, the 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 state uh, was very uh, surprised by the way the, the movement developed because it came... Seemingly out of nowhere, uh, as we said before, it started in in small towns, uh, small small cities, in rural areas. So it was much more. I mean, the vast majority of the demonstration what happened, the action that happened uh, um, with with word blogs and um, uh, and stuff like that, were peaceful and very very friendly. Even and uh, and so it, it, it just. Somebody just uh, did this uh, this this Facebook post, and then this petition. People signed online, and they decided let's let's get together. So it took uh, it took the state, and um, by surprise, it took also uh, the political forces and the trade union by surprise. And um, over the, the the weeks, it grew wider and wider. And um, and I think first the state and the and the, and and, and his government tried to downplay the 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 the, the effects of this movement—they, they, I think, they totally um, misunderstood what it what it was about, uh, and and the way they reacted uh, actually angered more and more people. So it's it's the the the, the way the state reacted that actually uh, um, radicalized people. But really, even even when the, the media focused a lot about the the the, the um, what happened in, Par- in some part of Paris, in Les Champs Élysées, and stuff like that. But even uh, even in Paris, most of the demonstrations were really peaceful, um, and and I think that's what um, was um, difficult for for the states. In they tried to use um, the the police forces, and they did actually use pol- police forces uh, really harshly. There have been people who've been uh, shoot, shoot, shot with uh, close range uh, tear gas um, uh, shootings and it's it's it, it's very um, um, hard repression and I think especially since most of the people who took part in those demonstration and those action were very new to that and say so they faced for the very first time, police brutality, uh, and it's it's actually made them really angry about that because uh, you had videos, very very moving videos of those um, uh, middle-aged uh, white women who was uh, crying and talking to the to the to the to the police who are trying to ban them. They wanted to protest Macron, um, who was visiting a place, and she was really crying and calling the police to to join them, and and they. She couldn't understand why they were being repressed and so that's that uh, the way the the state reacted uh actually rather than weaken the movement actually uh it, it radicalized people and they just uh, felt very uh, insulted and and despised by the by Macron uh so so then you had uh, the fact that people concentrated and and decided to go in to, to come in Paris and um, and in the Champs-Élysées and go and get Macron, uh, because because that's the, the the place of power, and and uh, and Macron himself um, put himself as you know the, the the guy who was in charge of everything, and if people were looking for somebody responsible, they should they should come and get him, and this this is um, uh, due to what happened in summertime and with this big crisis he had and. And uh, and uh, a scandal that happened uh, at that time. So so people really you have which is very significant is you have.
0: Uh, and that's when he had a bodyguard. Uh, one of his bodyguards personally beat up protesters on on Mayday.
1: Yeah, during the, the on Mayday, and and uh, it took two months uh, uh, for the the. the uh, L'Élysée from Macron to fire him because and he only fired him because the, the media broke the news and it, it became a scandal and and so it was the first uh, big crisis that the Macron uh, regime had to face and and you had this moment when he, he finally spoke he, he was silent for um, several days and then he spoke and he was very. Uh, um, boasting and very arrogant, and saying that I'm responsible for everything. And you, if you're looking for someone to be accounted for, you come and get me. So this and people, I mean, stuck with the people, and that's the very reason why people went to Les Champs Élysées, which is near the 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 Élysée um, Palace, where where the president is uh, is staying. So, but you you had both those actions, and people were are still determined. Because the, the police said you shouldn't demonstrate, we had a, 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 they restrain uh, people who wanted to come to Les Champs Élysées. But despite that, people went there, and also uh, throughout the country there were demonstrations. So I think it's, it was very, uh, it was very uh, surprising for everybody the way the, the movement took off and the action people people did, uh, and that's why the date. The has uh, been escalating also the the repression and and we had uh, we had war 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 machine in 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 Paris it was it, it was very uh, uh, terrifying actually the and and they they spoke about people who would come and 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 want to destroy everything and stuff like that so you had all this propaganda but but uh, it didn't it didn't deter people from coming and people were just like that's not us and we are still coming and. Uh, and I think that says a lot about the the determination of this movement.
0: Jerome, your thoughts. I saw there was a video very heavily circulated of French students, I believe high school students, a huge number of them uh who were who were protesting against university reforms who were forced on their knees in stress positions. Yeah.
2: No, it was absolutely horrific. And I mean, those those images very soon went viral and they were widely spread. And what was quite beautiful to see is that many people in the yellow vest movement, yeah. uh, sort of in a sign of solidarity, uh, made the same sort of gesture. So they sat down in front of, riot, of lines of riot cops and uh, sat in the same positions as those students were made to mm. sit. Um, so there's like a sense that, you know, these struggles, which were actually for you know, for a long time, they were separate. These students have been mobilizing for many months now in response to uh, Macron's uh, education reforms, uh, reforms to university admission procedures and a raise of administrative fees. Uh, They've been mobilizing for many months. But in a way, that repression then fed into the anger of the Yellow Vest Movement, who have been confronted with very similar violence. And, um, And that in turn also helped inspire some of these students to in turn escalate their struggles. So we've been seeing over the past week Again, large um, blockages of high schools, uh, walkouts by over a hundred thousand high school students. Um, a large march in Paris, combining high school and, and university students. Um, so there are interesting convergences happening here. Mm-hmm. And I think it's exactly like Daniel said, I mean, it's that confrontation with the violence of the state and sort of the um, extremely shocking, um, uh, you know, mobilization of, of armored vehicles in the streets, uh, especially, I mean, what's 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 particular honor, particularly onerous about the police repression is the type of weapons that they use. So mm-hmm. they use very heavy-duty um, stun grenades that have in the past um, actually killed people. There's uh, one very prominent activist who was killed by one of those grenades uh, in an environmental protest um, earlier. And um, this time, a protester's hand was ripped off because he accidentally picked one of those um, those uh, uh, grenades up. And an, an, a woman lost her eye after she was shot in the head with uh, rubber bullets at close range. So this is kind of like really uh, intense repression that's leading to very horrific injuries and people are are, are you know especially first time protesters are really shocked by this and it's really sort of feeding their anger and their rage and making them even more determined to take to the streets
0: this police repression i think exposes a lot about the remarkable lack of any sort of social base for macron and he's been governing as though he had an enormous mandate to push through these really radical neoliberal reforms with just this incredibly inflated self, self-confidence. self But this a movement of this sort seems like it was almost inevitable from the get-go, because even though Macron was greeted initially with such celebratory coverage as though he was this clean break with everything that had passed before in the fifth republic history in france he really only won the presidency because he was not marine le pen and that's who he faced it seems like yeah. this that, that he never he never had any sort of mandate to push through the neoliberal reforms that he he's championed and that this is he's really more exemplary than than any other politician i'm i'm aware of of what it looks like in 2018 amidst this crisis of the neoliberal center when that same neoliberal center that Caused the crisis in the first place tries to put itself forward as something new, but people just yeah. see that it's more of the same.
1: Yeah, I, I think over it's been a year now. Over a year that uh, Macron got elected, it, it's like a big mi- misunderstanding. Um, uh, it's uh, uh, what happened at the time. Um, it's the conjunction of different factors. The, the, the main, the main one being that the incumbent president at the time. Um, uh, francois Hollande was at such a, a terrible terrible record that he couldn't uh, be a candidate for a, a, a new term which is unprecedented was already unprecedented in the history of the the the, the, the fifth republic in france so and and macron who was his, his, his uh, economy minister uh was able actually to, to break in uh the the, the presidential race and uh, not because he wasn't an outsider, but because he was a very insider. He, he already had all the keys. He, he was never the, you know, underdog or uh, guy from nowhere that was portrayed by by the media. It uh, was the media guy. He was the bank guy, and and, and he, he actually managed. It was there was for months media coverage of uh, his every move. So it it was really it's it was very caricature of of. Uh, how uh, the, the the ruling class uh, pushed him once they realized that the the other Hollande was out of the picture and the right wing uh, candidate was uh, um, delegitimized by some some scandal that happened. So uh, he, he he was able to come first in the first round of the presidential election. He had 24 percent of the of the vote, and uh, that's make it possible also because uh, he he was opposed to to Marine Le Pen. So he he, he had this small electoral base, and people who voted for him in the second round voted against Marine Le Pen mainly. Um, What what, uh, is also important to understand is that during that election, there was also a lot of um, uh, of, uh, resentment against the established ruling parties, and it was part of this People were fed up with, you know, the, the 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 whole ruling class. So Macron was at this like new face, and um, it was like uh, old politics in new in new clothes. Um, so he was able to, to 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 rebrand neoliberalism and extreme center in in something new and tr- and attractive. Uh, but from the very start, he, he never had. A popular um, a majority mandate for that, and so I think that that's why um from the start, it was like this big misunderstanding, and he was like he had this kind of uh, imposter syndrome where he had to 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 rely a lot uh, on um uh, the, the the history of the monarchy and he was he, he's always been uh, very heavy on all the symbols with Versailles and and stuff like that to give him some legitimacy. Because he knew that he didn't have the 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 um, a popular mass-based um, uh, popularity, and also because he, he from the very start he he, he implemented very hard poli- policies against labor and in favor of the of the the wealthiest in the society, he, he got the nickname of President of the Rich. So he did that and then he had a very uh, aggressive anti-migrants uh, policies also which make it for the the part of his electoral base the center right or center left people who voted for him and uh, um, and believing that he was he would do what the previous one were weren't able to do they realized that the so-called progressive side of his politics were, were, were also a lie. Um, so he had this, you had this, um, uh, the more the, the, his, his, his policy went on and the more people realized that, uh, it was, it was a fraud actually. And, um, and that's part of the reason why his, 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 his government, his majority has been weakened, uh, month after month. And, uh, the impacts of his policy, of his pro rich policy, uh, have been felt more and more deeply by, by, by the poorest in the society, by working-class people. So the, 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 the revolt that we've seen, we've, we've seen now has a long time coming. It comes from those, those um, months of, uh, of deception. And even if, he, even if people didn't believe in him or didn't vote for him to, because they believed in his program, they felt like, okay, we oppose Marine Le Pen and you got this new guy, maybe he will do something differently, which uh, was was absolute, an absolute lie. So there's a, a deeper hanger against that because people felt like they were lied and um, and used uh, by, by by Macron and now they are just, um, also uh, lots of the, the resentment and the, the hate rate is directed toward him because of that.
0: The, the movement, of course, began as a protest against a fuel tax that Macron imposed in the name of fighting climate change. What does this reveal about neoliberal approaches to the climate crisis? And has the Yellow Vest movement managed to break out of this box that Macron put them in as as these troglodyte opponents of the earth while he's trying to do the right thing for Mother Nature? These these backward hicks are standing in the way of of a solution?
2: Well, if I may, if I may answer that one, I think that actually it's 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 very interesting to see what has happened um, last week, when there was a major climate demonstration that took place uh, in Paris. Uh, it was sort of pre-scheduled; it was going to happen irrespective of what the Yellow Vest uh, movement was doing. And um, uh, basically, you know, the government asked the organizers of that protest to blow it off because they didn't have enough manpower to actually control two major demonstrations at the same time. And the organizers basically rejected and they said, look, uh, the social justice, the struggle for social justice and the struggle for climate justice are one and the same. And we cannot just blow off our march uh, just because there are people demonstrating for social justice. And uh, so I think that's very significant. And many of the people who participated in that demonstration actually donned yellow vests in solidarity with uh, their comrades um, elsewhere in town who were protesting against this so-called ecological tax. Um, So I think it's interesting to actually look into that tax and what it really represents, Um, because while Macron sort of branded it as an ecological tax, uh, I think it's in reality much more like um, a measure that he took in order to redistribute even more resources from the bottom of society to the top. Mm And that's something that we've been seeing, um, you know, since the very beginning of his presidency, because the moment that he got to power, he basically immediately abolished the solidarity wealth tax in the process, handing over 4 billion euros to, you know, the richest people in society. Um, And then he strengthened this uh, sort of called Orwellian uh, tax credit for solidarity and employment, which is basically a tax cut and exemption program that again transferred 41 billion uh, euros a year to French companies and multinationals. Uh, and then, as part of the twenty eighteen budget, he established a flat tax that lowered the average taxation rate on capital and basically handed another ten billion to the richest. Mm. So then you come along and you impose a so-called carbon tax on um you know uh, on on fuel. And uh, it turns out that that tax actually weighs on working class and middle class people mm. five times as heavily as it does on upper class people. And then don't forget that, you know, Macron is someone who has basically you know, dismantled uh, the railways, who is in the active process of completely reforming the, the main railway company. It's someone who has cut the uh, budgets of local municipalities, which are responsible for providing local public transport. Uh, so many um, sort of public transport opportunities in small towns across France have disappeared. And uh, people uh, of moderate means who need to get to work or they need to bring their children to school are entirely dependent on their cars in order to be able to do that. So essentially, this tax um, makes it impossible for them to, you know, get to the end of the month. Uh, and in and in many cases, it's just too much of a burden upon people, uh, very ordinary people. And and in that process, also shifts the costs um, for the climate crisis, let's say, onto some of the poorest members of society. So I think that what you would really want to do and that's kind of the argument that's emerging out of the yellow vest movement is that instead of putting this sort of ecological carbon tax upon the poor is that you should put it upon the rich you should put it upon the companies that are responsible for causing this crisis the fossil fuel companies um and I think that's one of the most exciting things that has happened in the course of this struggle is that you know people have been blocking a number of total uh, oil refineries total being you know uh, a huge french uh, petrol petroleum company one of the largest in the world and people have started to actively blockade them their refineries, in order to make the statement that, you know, these are the kind of companies that we should really be taxing, Mm -hmm. and they are the ones who should really be paying for the enormous climate crisis in which we currently find ourselves.
0: McCraw has been criticized, as you just mentioned, for trying to solve the climate crisis on the backs of the poor and working class, but it seems like maybe an even better way to describe it was that that he's using the climate crisis as a pretext to just pillage the poor and redistribute their wealth upwards.
1: Yeah, that's what angered a lot of people because he had it in fault to injury because he, he, he shamed people I mean for for the the, the first weeks um, when the, the movement started you had the the, envi- the new environmental uh, minister who Keep saying that we're doing this for climate change and blah blah blah, and then we pointed out that only 20% of the the the, the, the carbon tax was to be devoted to actual, you know, environmental um, program and stuff like that. So it was only they just needed to balance the budget because they had given so many uh, billions to the rich, and when you see how much it, it was about less than. The exact amount they they had given to the rich. So first, it was not part of the the, the uh, any new green deal that were there, they were planning. There was no alternative to cars that was uh, that was actually uh, viable for people. So people felt felt very. Really insulted because it was like they didn't care uh, for for climate change or transition e- e- ecological transition. When they said we are aware that what is happening and we are ready to uh, also change our ways of living or, or moving and stuff, but we need to have infrastructure to do that. So and it also show I mean the high level of consciousness of the people uh, and uh, and the connection that happened when you are the the organizer of the the climate uh, climate. Chinja demo last week who actually um, uh, said that uh we won't be uh you know opposed uh, to to working class people and actually um the, the responsible for all the situation is the state because you don't uh promote actual uh transformation and, and and new transport system and stuff and you have also to to have in mind that um in last september just just uh, 3 months ago the former environmental minister uh, nicola Hulot, who was this uh, very famous um TV guy. Uh, he was one of the civil society uh, people who got into uh, Macron government. So he, he was very. He was the third in, in 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 the in the government. Uh, he actually resigned because he said, after a year, he realized that the government wasn 't serious about climate change actually, uh, and that um, we couldn 't actually change anything if we stayed uh, if we stay within the eu treaty and neoliberalism was incompatible uh, uh, with with an actual uh, environmental transition so it was it was um it was a bit major blow uh, to the government, to Macron, because he actually did it uh, live on radio uh, without uh, warning the, the prime minister or the president. So it, it was a major blow, and, and, and because he's one of the most popular, and he's still very popular uh, in France, uh, because he's had this year-long uh, TV program about uh, environment, uh, the environment and stuff like that. So um, when you, you have that in mind, you realize that people were not, fooled by by all the the justification and people said actually this is not uh this is not an environmental you know uh transition uh this is this is bullshit you're trying to to and you're trying to shame us um so so
0: it's good that people in france have not been fooled by this because green neoliberalism is politically and incredibly dangerous just look at the what's happening in the united states where where trump and the right have been able to pit the earth against the working class
1: but i think that's the the the, what has happened over the past week is that people are just like actually saying we we're ready we've been struggling for years we've been told that we have to pay the debt and stuff like that we've been making sacrifices and we know for the environment things need to change but the, we need to have, you know, uh, train stations open in small cities. We, we need to have, you know, uh, our housing uh, uh, renovated so that we don't, you know, uh, use too much energy and stuff like that. And I think that there's a high level of consciousness about the, the situation, but also about the fact that um, everything is is organised in a way that prevents people from actually, you know, uh, taking part in this in this in this change and. Uh, so that's that' actually uh angered the people the most and and after two weeks of trying to sell it as a uh, a green a green tax and stuff like that they they just uh, they don't uh, i mean the the, the last um, uh, thing the government and and the president uh, in his speech he didn't even talk about trans- ecological transition or anything because uh people just realized that it had no- nothing to do with that and i think it's it's uh, it's actually he managed to to unite and to, to unify those different sections of social movements that we didn't know how to do it before. It was very difficult. The previous climate march was where, where really uh, just a category of the population, very urban, uh, middle, higher middle class and stuff like that. And Macron actually united uh a much wider range of people around ecological issues and stuff like that better than anybody else.
0: What is Macron's vision and what sort of ideological framework is structuring it, both for France and for Europe? Is he simply after this straightforward neoliberal program to flexibilize labor and cut the social state so as to make French business more competitive?
2: Well, I think there there are two ways to look at this. Uh, One is to situate it within the present sort of fallout of the Eurozone debt crisis. Um, And that is to really consider Macron in light of, um, you know, the sort of Franco-German axis, if you will. Mm. And it's very clear that as a result of the Eurozone crisis, France has lost power vis-a-vis Germany. And Germany has sort of uh, entrenched its position as now sort of the undisputed uh, hegemonic power within the broader Eurozone. Um, and Macron uh, was, you know, partly uh, his entire Europe policy was an attempt to sort of uh, switch back some of that power to a sort of a more relation, uh, more of a relationship between equals. And I think that part of his um, his general spiel was that he wanted to try to bring about a situation uh, where he would sort of Germanize um, the French labor market. And in terms uh, of know, replicating
0: hammer- the early 2000s. Uh, labor reforms in Germany that that held exactly. down wages.
2: Exactly. So basically, engage in wage repression, uh, engage in the dismantling of uh, the power of the unions, and you know you can see that very clearly in sort of the the battle that he's waged with um, you know the the unions of railway workers as part of his effort to sort of um, you know completely reform the railways and attack the job and pension guarantees that workers in the railway sector have. Um, basically, you know the unions say that it's a covert covert step towards the privatization of the of the railways in fact uh, but what we can really see there and i mean some people have compared this to sort of thatchers standoff with the miners um uh, in the 1980s uh, the, the the railway workers have gone on strike for over 3 months this year and they are again sort of you know now mobilizing together with the gilets jaunes um there's sort of a, a huge attempt a top down attempt to try to restructure the labor market and uh, Macron really sees himself as sort of you know the um, uh, the reforming factor in that and he really has this image of himself as someone who can break through some of the um you know the 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 uh, the stuck ways of, of of the french economy which to him uh, appear old fashioned right um and then his hope apparently is that you know if he managed to sort of germanize the, um, the 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 French labor market, eventually he could get concessions from the German government to sort of um, create a more sort of French image of the wider Eurozone with some fiscal transfers here and there, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think that's obviously sort of going to fail. And we're seeing that failure of that now because the person that he was banking on entirely, Angela Merkel, also finds herself considerably weakened and sort of on her last legs, right? And domestically, of course, uh, what Macron did is he 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 totally you know um, created the preconditions for a major popular backlash against his own hyper neoliberal policies. So I think that's one way to sort of consider um, his 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 attempts sort of in the context of of wider eurozone policy. But another way I think to look at it is sort of the more historical perspective, and that is to really see him as you know on the one hand really a result of the crisis of the old political establishment, but at the same time as someone who you know, ironically enough, really amplifies and makes that crisis even worse. So I think that really, you know, to to, to understand the current predicament of the the French political establishment, you have to go back to the 1980s and see what someone like Mitterrand did, uh, the socialist president in the 1980s, who came, you know, to power on this platform, saying that he was going to nationalize the banks, he's going to really sort of, you know, socialize large parts of the economy. And within months found himself under immense pressure from global capital markets and was forced to backtrack. And that's sort of the beginning of the end of the French socialists, if you will. And then that is followed by you know a number of scandals on the center right, which involving Chirac, involving Sarkozy. And then that finally leads to the presidency presidency of Francois Hollande, again, a so-called socialist coming to power. But you know again, on a promise of you know trying to draw politics towards the left being a counterweight to Merkel, and completely failing in that respect and becoming, you know, up till that point, the most unpopular um, president in the Fifth Republic. So that is really the context in which Macron comes to power, this complete delegitimization of the center left and of the center right establishment parties. But at the same time, the moment that he comes to power, he, instead of sort of you know, learning the lessons of that uh, and sort of backtracking or trying to sort of revamp politics as he promised he was gonna do, I mean, Let's not forget that he wrote a book called Révolution, um, you know, to to sort of announce his uh, candidacy for the presidency. What he actually does is he doubles down. He doubles down on on, on the neoliberal reforms and he goes for a type of centrist extremism that was really mm. beyond the pale of what any of the previous French presidents even, you know, dare to attempt. Yeah. And the consequence of that, I think, is just like what we're seeing today. I mean, there's such rage among the French people um, and, and that really hints at it. Very profound legitimation crisis of the entire centrist political establishment. Danielle.
1: Yeah, and I, I think what's striking about Macron and the, what we call Macronie, is, is old system of government is that it is um, so old. Like it's like uh, he's coming 20 years too late after Blair and Schroeder. He's trying to to do what they did with the in their respective uh, countries in in France because there's been resistance in France to neoliberal to the neoliberal agenda, uh, working class resistance, and and so um, they weren't able to to implement. They did. They started it, of course, and uh, and Macron. And this vision is 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 an extreme centrist an extreme uh neo liberal um guy is the guy from the EU is the guy from Bruxelles, and he's been you know uh, copy, copying and pasting all the the EU policies in, in our um in in France uh, over the past month. so there's nothing revolutionary or nothing new in in, in in his policies uh, rather than as I said he's, he's been, he been did this interview and referring himself um, saying that the, the French people were missing a, a their king a, a royal figure and he, he forgot that how royal figures ended in, in, in French history but he got this very <laughs> re, reactionary um, uh, the, the idea that uh, the top-down approach and he's very much a technocrat he, he, he is he's, He's never been, you know, um, he's never been a, a, in elected before uh, being a president. He was a guy, as I said, a minister and councillor for different uh, presidents before. And he, he, he had this he, he, he sense that he had to appear like he wasn't rely, relying on, on, on political parties and stuff. And so um, from the very start, he kind of despised. Uh, political parties and 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 trade unions and everything that is you know civil society and stuff like that, uh, he had a huge majority, so he won just like um, uh, disregarding everything that that actually makes the political framework of France. Even though there's this resentment against against the establishment, in the Fifth Republic you got this this powerful president, but you have to rely on you know. Uh, local mayor and stuff like that, and because he's such a technocrat, he thought that he said that like it's, France is like a startup, and he wanted to apply all the, the 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 new public management and all this proper you know neoliberal propaganda. He wanted to apply the the companies and, and and those kind of of way of doing into uh, the French states, and so. It ruffled a lot of fevers among, you know, local and uh, and, and and regional uh, uh, people, especially, you know, mayor from the the, the, the right. So it, it, this guy who, who who may who has more power actually he's, he's got the the largest majority in the history of the, the the Fifth Republic, quickly become became you know put himself into a corner because he despised everything that's make the fabrics of the French political uh, um, dynamics because uh you have to take into account, you know, trade unions because that means something that's part of the our history and stuff like that. And you just thought that, you know, it would do uh what uh, nobody had done before, that what that's why you went so hard on, on labor and, and and uh and uh, so obviously Without even trying to to hide himself, like uh, when he when he did all those reform in favor of the of the rich and and now he's like into a corner because he he doesn't have any more um uh, he's like the the naked king like he, he doesn't have any any protection that's that's usually you know some you know like the the previous president they had their own party, the socialist party or the you had some protection. but now he's like, it's him in front of you know the people who are focusing their uh, their hatred against him. Macron and his, his system of ruling is is very. Um, it's also the, the the caricature of the Fifth Republic. The way it's very uh, presidential and and authoritarian actually, uh, with so much power to the, to the president and uh, and is like a caricature of of the uh, Fifth Republic. Uh, uh monarch. Um and so he got himself he, he trapped himself into that and uh, and that's also why people went into Le Champs elysees with this, you know, there's a lot of reference to the seventy, eighty nine revolution, the French Revolution and, you know, go and get the king and and, and um
0: and we all know what happened next.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this is uh this is very striking how uh unimaginative and uh how um mediocre is policies are but with so much power it means that at some point something is gonna some something is gonna break because it can't uh it can't hold uh forever you know the 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 fraud or the the, the misunderstanding will you know is is now clearing, and people are just saying him for what it is
0: well one question for you danielle is as things break and continue to get more broken is where the French left comes in, because really the entire party establishment, traditional party establishment, was delegitimized in the election that brought Macron to power because the top three candidates were uh, Macron, Le Pen of the right-wing National Front, and Jean-Luc Mélenchon from your party, La France Insoumise, or France Unbowed. And that election that delegitimated the traditional party establishment, as you mentioned, raised up Macron as not really... A representative of a party, but as, a, as an individual. And now, now his presidency as an individual has been delegitimated. Is La France Soumis well-positioned to channel this movement into an electoral process that could bring the left to power in France?
1: Well, we will see. Time will tell. What I can, what we've been doing, I think, um, is is the, the most important. Is right now, what we've been doing is being part of the movement. I think we are the 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 the, the only one on the left uh, organization that, from the start, supported the movement. At first, of course, we had some. There were some warnings coming, especially from trade unions, uh, about you know far right. Uh, tendencies or or Pujadism in the in the movement, but uh, but also because we had our own members who were part of the movement from the very start and said we went there and there are people like us and 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 actually they may they may have some here and there some people or right wing or, or racist or stuff, but it's not the majority. So we were able to connect uh, enough with the movement from the start to 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 actually assess the the diversity and the fact that. The 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 main um, demands were progressive, one were were left leaning and stuff. So I think we 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 actually were able to to connect with the movement, and in a way that um, right now there's, there's a list of demands that have been um, sent by by the the yellow death movement to to parliamentarian and to the media. And when you check, um, there was an article that did that in Le Mon that checked that uh two thirds of those demands were more um uh, uh similar to our own program and uh it, it's um I think it's a testimony of the, the, the political work and the ideological uh little battle we won about you know talking about um reclaiming you know the the wealth and, and, and a new redistribution of of, of wealth and uh, even the, the, the idea of a um uh, to to revoke uh, people who got elected and there's a lot of things that like like that the people spontaneously they 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 actually grasp it and they they are they have been you know reusing um in in their demands so i think that's that's um that's it, that's um, i think that's a major um, a, 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 an important thing seeing as um the, the the other political party the the, the other left organization were really uh, very sceptical and uh, uh, the the socialist party is, is nowhere now so it's not even a a blip in the radar but the problem the major problem has been the the uh, the trade union movement and the, the main um, the most radical uh, trade union organization the C G T has been completely completely uh, out of the of the movement, and uh, and is still not really um, building the movement or trying to connect to the movement, which is very uh, um, very problematic because because I mean in, in the, the connection with the, the the trade unions and the the, the organised worker in, in in different places could I mean could uh, really uh, uh, push the movement in, into something more uh, like actually bloke uh and 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 put the country to a standstill so um i think that uh um compared to them i think we really had the the, the good uh, a good intuition and we really uh, we were able to assess the, the 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 movement um in a in a in a in the good way uh now we, we we don't know what it how it will evolve we don't even know what's going to happen uh uh on on, on on Saturday or uh, because we are coming to the it's the next week will be um the, the holiday break the the holy, the holiday break. So but what 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 we've been witnessing and what we've been participating into is a movement that is really deeply rooted. There's there's a deep there's a deep anger that won't end just uh, uh, with with blockades and, and and the end of the blockades or at the end of the demonstration, it's it's deeper than that, and I think as the 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 research we've talked to, talked about shows, it's uh, the the main demands are progressive one and and very similar to uh, the one we've been putting forward in over the past year. So
0: Danielle, one last question for you, and then and then and then one for both of you. How has the yellow vest movement played into the debates within La France? in Sumi as far as i know there's a, there's a debate between what's called a united left approach and a national sovereigntist approach represented by Autain and Kazmanovic. i don't know much about it but if you could say a little bit about the internal discussions within La France in Sumi and your in your in your take on them
1: i think we 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 managed to have quite a coherent strategy of course because we are now in the position to be the major force uh, on what used to be the left um, we we won. We actually won the argument within within the the, 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 the left because we managed to, to come um, uh, got 20%, nearly 20% of the vote at the presidential election. To have our own parliamentary group, so our our strategy is saying that we need to appeal to the people as a whole and to appeal to people who don't vote and uh, whatever label they, they you know identify with. It's about the program. So. I think we we managed to show that uh, we need to, to 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 change our 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 analysis of the situation and our strategy on the left. Uh, now it means that we we're in a position. We have to to find a way to uh, to to work with and to 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 um, take with us some organisations that are still in this you know previous framework when you. They thought about, you know, adding labels would make people go and vote, which is which is not what is happening. You know, when you put labels together, people just are just people who don't who, who won't vote for one label won't, won't vote for the several of them put together. So um, I think the, the movement, our movement, have uh, been have been uh, um, actually uh, deepening this this understanding, and and then there have been some. Um, disagreement because some would say uh we are we have to downplay that issue because for instance uh when we've been uh, campaigning against the uh anti-migrant law uh, against um uh, put forward by Macron and how do we um how do we manage to uh, be clear on, on on that issue and be clear on also LGBT rights and and, and stuff like that and we there've been um, discussion about how do we balance all those things. But I think we, now we are at a point, especially since the movement, the yellow vest movement actually uh, confirmed what we were analyzing, what has, what was happening in, in the French society. We've been talking about the citizen revolution and people, you know, getting um, out of the organized uh, left or organized parties and, and going onto the streets. So it's, it, Pretty much confirms what we've been t- talking about, and um, and it's 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 more like um, how do we manage to get uh, the trade union on boards and 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 over organisation on boards with that, so that we're we really able to to give a, a political you know uh, uh, form to that to that anger, and that's it's not because we're still fighting against. Uh, the far right, because they are still there and they are in a position where, because the the governments have been fueling anti-migrant and xenophobic policies, uh, they are the one who uh, may also benefit from from the movements, even though uh, it's not the majority. But um, I think that's more what is at at stake is whether it's us or uh, the far right that benefit for for the movement since uh, Macron. Party is so delegitimized and there's no other alternative but us uh, for uh, you know the working people and then uh, the far right for the ruling class or, or or something similar
0: Jerome do you have do you have thoughts on on those two points first the la france sort of populist uh, approach that it seems to me to be similar to what what Podemos has has pursued in Spain and also what your thoughts are on the Marine Le Pen and the far right National Front's efforts to attempt to to co-opt the the Yellow Vests.
2: Okay, I will. I think I'll focus on the second part of your question because I don't think that I can give as coherent an answer on the first part of the question. Um, <laughs> <Sure> especially, <thing. laughs> you know, sitting here with uh, with Danielle, I, I don't think I'm qualified <laughs> to to um, to talk to that. But I do think that um, really what what this movement represents, I think, is a profound historic rupture in French politics. And I think that um, you know this is something, and I've seen this sort of you know come up in multiple writings by French intellectuals, by French activists, and by French political analysts over recent days and weeks. Um, there's a profound sense that you know, twenty or thirty years from now people will look back at what happened in 2018 as something that was really a very profound meaning. Um, and I think that maybe there's a tendency abroad to underestimate the extent to which this has really shaken France uh, and this has really shaken the country because it's broadcast on the media nonstop, everyone's talking about it, but also because the political establishment has no real answer to this. They don't know how to re-legitimize themselves other than, you know, this kind of new divide and rule approach that uh, Macron sort of um, put on display in his um, televised address to the nation earlier on Monday evening when he made some concessions. Um, you know, in terms of, you know, the minimum wage, but at the same time threatened to really crack down on some of the more radical elements of the movement. And I think that that is not enough for people and people are not, you know, happy about that. And you can really clearly tell that uh, people inside the Yellow Vest movement are intent on continuing the movement. So while I do think that it's likely that it will peter out, I I also think that this is going to have a lasting impact on the way that politics is done in France. And of course, in the vacuum that arises after the sort of demobilization of the movement, um, on the one hand, you're going to have a host of exciting opportunities for new grassroots initiatives and for new social movements to begin building sort of alternative networks and and, and structures of of self-organization, but you're also very much going to have that political question arise, like who is going to be seen as the legitimate political heir of this movement um, in the next presidential elections, and I think in in that respect, uh, La France Insoumise has a very important role to play because they basically have to steal the thunder of the right. Um, and I think that even though the left is clearly winning the battle in the streets right now, the 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 memory of May '68 also warns us that it may well be possible for a movement to win the battle in the streets and to lose the war at the ballot box mm. uh, to the right. So I think that you know there's a there's a still a risk that even though this movement is pointing to the left, and even though it's speaking a much more progressive language than many people maybe anticipated originally, um, I do think that uh, there is still a risk that the right will benefit just because of the sort of implosion of the neoliberal center. And now just to be very clear, I don't think that's the fault of the movement or the fault of France, uh, La France Insoumise, but it would simply be sort of you know the the, the logic of the implosion of the neoliberal center which in my view was always already pointing to the right because of some of the things that um, that Danielle mentioned. But at the same time, I don't wanna be too pessimistic because I do think that Le Pen also finds herself in a very awkward and increasingly untenable position because she actually started out in the beginning, realizing that as an anti-establishment outsider, she had to sort of profile herself as supporting these movements, especially because they started out as sort of an anti-tax protest, right? So she really began um, by sort of enthusiastically embracing the roadblocks and, and, and speaking of them in positive terms, seeing herself as a representative of them. But then when it became clear that this was spilling over into a much broader popular insurrection for better living standards, for an increase in the uh, minimum wage, for, you know, against inequality, against the privilege of the, of the, of the you know, of, of, of bourgeois wealth, she also realized that she had to pander to her um, sort of more traditionalist constituency amongst the petite bourgeoisie who are afraid,
0: which is the traditionalist space of the national front, regardless absolutely. of their ability to expand that somewhat in recent absolutely.
2: years. And these include many small business owners who are dead set against, um, you know, an increase in the minimum wage. These include people who, you know, are absolutely terrified of any form of disorder. So, She's had a very difficult position, where she's now finding herself actually rejecting aspects of the movement, and um, you know, in the wake of the Strasbourg uh, terrorist attack that we saw earlier this week, uh, actually calling on the movement to demobilize and to sort of rally behind the police and to you know, um, you know, stop creating disorder, essentially, because ultimately, you know, that's the the way that the far far right has historically presented itself as well as the party of law and order. So I think in that contradiction um, for the far right, an interesting space opens up for the left. Uh, It's really like a door is being kicked open, because the left can now, and with the left, I obviously mean la France insoumise, can now position itself as sort of the only legitimate antagonistic force towards the establishment, the only force that really sort of stands 100% with this movement. And I don't think that Le Pen is able to play that game anymore. um, And especially the longer these protests go on, I think the more they will play to the benefit uh, of the radical left. So um, that's the kind of sort of image I have. And and I would be fairly optimistic at this point about what might come out of this. Uh, But again, this this is completely unwritten uh, and it's uncharted territory. And we really don't know what will happen next. And I think it's precisely in that sort of doubt and in that uncertainty um, that uh, that we live right now. and, and, And that's kind of the situation in which the left will have to define a very clear position and, and try to really sort of capitalize on on the developments that are occurring right now.
0: My very last question to both of you, and then I'll, I'll let you go. How does this, what's going on in France, fit into the broader complex fights over the future of Europe that are taking place all over the region? The far right has been on the rise. Britain seems to be on its way out one way or another. And the left, at least since the crushing of Syriza, has been on the back foot, on its back foot, and divided over how to approach the EU and the eurozone. What is what is what's going on in France? What does it portend for the bigger fights that are at play throughout throughout Europe?
1: Well, I think it's um, it, it's very interesting because um, what we've been doing also is relating uh, the Macron policies to uh, the EU policies because. It actually uh, there was this document that the government sent to the to the, the eu commission saying that um we will stay under the three percent you know uh, budget um standard uh because we will you know do this carbon tax so and and what we said from the very beginning and from back in september when we actually um, came back from the, the summer break, and we started this. You know, the the parliamentary session is that the EU uh, election that will happen next May are a, a referendum against Macron because he's the guy from the EU. So, um, what we've been saying is also that in everywhere in Europe, the the center, you know, uh, can hold. I mean, the, the the you had Germany for for weeks. There was no government. And, um, since, uh, Merkel managed to, 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 to get some kind of a coalition, it's very weak. Um, but right now you got what happened in Spain, uh, you have Italy with, um, another configuration, but you can see that those, you know, the, 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 the response, the way the, the, the ruling class have been trying to stabilize, uh, the political scene is not working. And, um, and so um, the, the problem is that, of course, you got Italy, but you have also polls uh, right now uh, in for the EU election in France. Actually, that shows that for the moment the far right is um, is um, is very high. But uh, I think what, what the movement that is happening right now are uh, is actually um, something that um, makes me hopeful for the for for the next week because I think people. Uh, we won't get back to normal uh, in one way or another. I mean, even if the, the protests die down, because I, I mean, at some point people would need to to, to go to back to their families and stuff. But this is like a, a, a rejuvenation and 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 of, of of citizenship in in a very um, uh, inspiring way. And I think if we manage to tap into that uh, if in the next month. Um, we may um, actually be able to have a, a political debate around the European election, and, and that will be in the next, I mean, that's the next election. And so it's kind of a midterm term uh, election uh, in France, uh, and to show that um, we, we will win uh, even more concession. And if we weaken the government, if we defeat Macron in the polls, uh, the way we've been, you know, the movement has been able to... to to put him in the corner uh, on uh, while while on the street, uh, it, it, I think that's that's the task ahead to to, to 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 manage that. And what we've been doing with people in Pod, in, in Spain with Podemos and and in in Portugal with uh, the Bloco um, is is just to have this this European network that um, uh, actually. Uh, Shows a way forward different from from what happened in Greece, because to us it's, it's, there is really a dividing line now uh, in, in 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 the left in in, in Europe. Um, you are either supporting Syriza or you are trying to build some alternative. And what we are trying to do is build this alternative in with with uh, with Podemos and other organisation like that. So um, I think we're, it's 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 really a fight. Um, uh, uh, a fight uh, for against the, the far right because they are the one, especially in Italy, are, that have benefited the most from the the crisis of the the, the center uh, and and uh, the neoliberal agenda. But I think they are really um, open. Especially we've seen some yellow vests. Uh, the yellow vest is now the symbol of of, of resistance now in, in in Belgium and in some other countries now, uh, in Europe. And and I think. The, the, the next uh the next step is in, in the in the during the election is to show that um there are there's there an alternative to Macron and the EU uh policies and, and that we represent this alternative. We and not not just the France Insoumise movement, but what's uh, the best part of the, the Yellow Vest movement and, and that's what needs to be strengthened, but I really think that there's a before and after uh, this this movement, and uh, and and the the, ta- the task for us is to build, uh, to build on that, uh, from that movement.
0: Jerome,
2: yeah, I think that ultimately, you know, this crisis that Macron faces could potentially, you know, be a bigger challenge to the European project than Brexit, and mm-hmm. the reason for that is that. I mean, Macron was essentially the embodiment of, um, you know, basically neoliberalism's last stand in France. And France being so absolutely central to the European project, um, that sort of, you know, being challenged so fundamentally, as we've seen, and that coming to such a sort of dramatic end, um, will have enormous consequences politically across Europe. Because I do think that, you know, whatever way we turn it, it's going to be very difficult for the center, the political center, the neoliberal center in France to come back from this. And I do think that it's going to really be now between La France Insoumise and the Rassemblement National of Le Pen in the, in the upcoming elections, and that's going to have sort of huge repercussions across the eurozone for very obvious reasons. Um, so in that respect, I mean, Britain has always been sort of uh, marginal to the European project in a way, so Europe can do without Britain. But it can't do without France. So uh, I think that that's going to have enormous repercussions in the long run that we cannot fully oversee at this point. Uh, But one thing that also does give me hope is that there is a real sort of sense of a, um, you know, a convergence of struggles, if you will, uh, happening in France right now that bodes very well for, uh, you know, the broader left across the continent, if that could be replicated in other places and what i mean by that is essentially i mean this term has been very widely used in france in recent years and it's almost kind of like you know the watchword or the um you know sort of the holy grail if you will of the left like how do you bring these different struggles together people were talking a lot about that uh, during the resistance to the um, uh, the labor law reform in 2016 but we're almost seeing that emerge that type of convergence by default right now uh, almost spontaneously because of the shared anger at the centrist political establishment, personified by you know the child king Macron, and um, you're seeing you know these students, you're seeing um, you know you're seeing uh, farmers, you're seeing railway workers, you're seeing ambulance drivers, you see the the yellow vest protesters, uh, you see just enormous cross sections of society coming together. Uh, the climate movement that I mentioned before. Coming together and joining forces, um, and and struggling for a different way of doing politics, and exactly how that will evolve, we don't know. But I completely agree with uh, Danielle that this is this is our historic rupture, and there is a before and an after, and the after is going to look very different, and it's going to have repercussions that will spill over far beyond France's borders. I mean, that's for sure.
0: Danielle Obono and Jerome Rose, thank you so very much. Thanks for having us. Daniela Bono is a member of the French National Assembly for the left-wing party La France Insoumise, representing Paris's 17th constituency. Jerome Rose is a fellow in international political economy at the London School of Economics and the editor of Roar magazine. His book, Why Not Default? The Political Economy of Sovereign Debt, will be published in February 2019 by Princeton University Press. Thank you for listening to The Dig from Jacobin Magazine. As Marx once said after noting that a specter is haunting Europe, while other podcasts have only interpreted the world in various ways, our point is to change it. We are posting new episodes every week, often twice, sometimes once. The Dig was produced by Alex Lewis. Music by Jeffrey Brodsky. Our communications coordinator is Logan Dreher. Follow us on Twitter at The Dig Radio, and find us wherever you get podcasts and subscribe. If it's on iTunes, please consider leaving us a nice review. Those reviews help introduce us to new listeners. What also does that is you telling friends about the show. Please make propaganda for us. And last but by no means least, go to patreon.com slash thedig and make a monthly contribution to keep this thing going. Even a few bucks is huge.